0: Uh, I preached a message over at Hillside just now on Sonship. I'm starting a Sonship series, and I preached a message called Identity, Intimacy, and Inheritance. And because I am uh, trying to stick with a self-imposed 35-minute time limit, uh, I did not finish my message quite. And so if you uh, would—I want to ask all the leaders here to make sure you listen to that first message— what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach the rest of the message, the third point that I didn't get to preach over there at Hillside, okay? And so this message is called, This is Your Inheritance, all right? So I got as far as explaining uh, the different models that are in existence in the church for Christians to relate to each other, and then I talked about why I think sonship is a biblical and a good model and the benefits of why uh, spiritual fatherhood and sonship is needed and essential for the building up of the body of Christ. I talked about that. I also talked about the first two points, how sonship in the body of Christ gives the people of God their identity, their identity as sons of the living God. We oftentimes, when we use that word son, we often only use it to apply to Jesus as the son of God. But the Bible goes further than that. That Greek word, huios, uh, is also used for Christians. It says in Galatians 3.26, In Christ you are all sons of God. And it goes on to say in verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, uh, Jew nor Gentile, uh, female or male, slave or free, for we are all one in Christ. And so when the Bible uses that word son, it's not gender uh, Specific. It, it's referring to both male and female. In the, some Bible translations, they will take a verse like Galatians 3.26, and they will take that word sons and translate it as children for the sake of being gender-specific or gender-sensitive. Now, I'm all for being gender-sensitive. I love women. I support women. And uh, I want to empower women. And sisters in the body of Christ. Alright, but I don't believe in losing biblical insight for the sake of gender sensitivity. And so in a lot of these other trans, NLT and TNIV, all these, they, they lose that word huyos. Okay, right? that word huios is only translated as sons, and it carries certain meanings that get lost when you translate it as children. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell him, I am a son of God. A son of God. <laughs> You're a son of the most high. Romans 8.14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Are you led by the flesh? Are you led by the Spirit? Those who are led by the Spirit, the Bible says, are sons of God. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Another place in Romans, it says, All of creation awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. The animals, the chickens, the trees, the flowers of the field, all of creation is eagerly awaiting for the sons of God to take their place and be revealed. You know, the only reason this world is subject to decay, the Bible says, is because of sin and wickedness. But when the sons of God take their place, the glory of God starts to cover the earth. The knowledge of the glory of God starts to cover the earth as the waters of the sea. And anyway, I talked about how sonship gives the people of God identity as sons. Also, it gives the people of God intimacy in the house of God. And I talked about how that word house is a Greek word oikos. Everyone say oikos. oikos. And that word oikos can have a couple meanings. One is a physical house. And, and that word is used all throughout the New Testament to talk about... Uh, Send greetings to the house of Priscilla or the house of Aquila, you know, uh, to talking about somebody's physical house or somebody. It can also have the meaning of someone's family to the house of such and such person, to the house of Chris Mitchell. That could mean both physical house and a family. Okay? And in First Peter, it talks about how the church is a spiritual house made up of living stones. You know, each and every one of you, God doesn't want you to be a stone out and isolated by yourself. He wants you to be part of a local church where you are a part of a greater and bigger house, a family, a community. It is a house, an oikos, a spiritual oikos that is built up of living stones. Now, there's too many Christians, they don't want to be part of a house. They just want to do Christianity their own way. Isn't that the postmodern psyche? Isn't that the postmodern mindset? You know, they do it with doctrine. Well, you know, uh, I know that the Bible says this and this is sin. I know that the Bible says this and this is foolishness. But you know what? I don't, I don't like that part of the Bible. And uh, I don't feel like it relates to me. So, I throw that out. I like uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 has got everything I need. Uh, or doctrines. They, they, they try to make up their own doctrines. That's how you get cults, right? What does Jehovah Witnesses believe? They believe in what's called the Arian heresy. You guys know what the Arian heresy is? okay? There's this guy named Arius and his followers. They taught that Jesus was not of the same substance, but similar substance with the Father. In fact, in the Greek, the word is homoiousios meaning similar substance. You know, homo, like homo sapien means um, human beings. Homosexual means you like people of your own sex, right? Well, homoousios means same substance. Homousios means similar substance. Only difference is one letter, one iota, one letter, and the church made a huge deal about this because when it came down to it, this guy named Athanasius was saying what Arius is teaching—that Jesus is not of the same substance, but of the similar substance. Arius and his followers were saying Jesus was a created being, that he did not co-eternally exist with God the Father. But that he was actually, he was created. And therefore, he doesn't have the same substance, just a similar substance. So Athanasius fought against that. Actually, Constantinople, uh, traditionally, he's been known that he died as an Arian. Anyway, Jehovah's Witnesses (laughs) believe in the Arian heresy, as do many other cults. When you pick and choose what you want to believe in the Bible, you can probably come to those kinds of conclusions. People do it with doctrine. People also do it with just the commands of God. You should not commit adultery. All right, well, you know, I'm happily married, but you know what, man? I'm just kind of getting bored with my wife. And, you know, this girl at my workplace, she's really hot, and uh, she's kind of, you know, she likes me back. You know, what's wrong with me just going out a few times with them? Well, the Bible says do not commit adultery. Well, you know... You know, I like to pick and choose which commands of God that apply to me. You know? When you do this postmodern thing with the Bible, you can come to all kinds of creative conclusions, all kinds of creative beliefs, and it has nothing to do with God. That's why we need strong leaders in the body of Christ. You know, when God builds up the church, what I've noticed is God sends like a like a terminator on the earth. It's like, Whenever God sends somebody to the earth, he has them born. It's not like Terminator where he shows up naked and grown. Uh, uh, God's God's men that he sends onto the earth, they're naked and babies. Uh, Anyway, Jesus also, he was was incarnate. Anyway, uh, God sends people onto the earth with a very strong gifting. And these gifted leaders, what you will notice is if you scrutinize their doctrine, their doctrine is quite solid and balanced. Maybe you don't agree about like every issue. Maybe they're peripheral matters. But about the central core tenets of the faith, they will, they will be unswerving. Such gifted men and women of God, I believe God gives them to the body of Christ because through them, he teaches the people. What is sound doctrine? He teaches the people what is a balanced view of Scripture. And so whenever you recognize these gifted people on the earth, it's a good thing to honor them, support them, to listen to what they have to say. You know who was a gifted leader like that? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul faced all kinds of heresies in the early church. Why? Why? Because the church was just getting started. And as that church was just getting started, there are all kinds of Gnostic beliefs from Greek philosophy that was trying to get in. There are also Neoplatonic beliefs that many of the uh, the, the Romans and the, the Greeks of that time, they just had a propensity to believe and a presupposition toward all these Neoplatonic beliefs about, you know, like, essentially, like, matter is evil. Like, material, physical matter, your body, these chairs, is made up of... Uh, um, uh, de- deficient material, so they believe that God did not create the world ex nihilo out of nothing, but God created the world with pre existent matter, and that matter was essentially deficient, and that's why we have wickedness and sin on the earth. That's their that's their kind of philosophy. It got into some of the Christian ch- theologians, but most of the th- Christian theologians, the patristic fathers, were able to debunk that. were able to teach things like ex nihilo. Right? When, we see in this, when we see in Genesis, does it mention some kind of pre-existent matter? No, God saw this wicked, deficient matter, and he spoke over it, let there be light. No, it just says it was the, the whole world was dark and empty and formless. God said, let there be light, there was light. Let there be land, let there be land. Let there be oceans and seas and animals, and, and there they were, just out of nothing. Although when he created us, he used dirt. So, uh, (laughs) anyway, I I, don't know. I didn't think about that. Anyway, um, God gives gifted men to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be free from all kinds of false heresies, false doctrines, free from um, false heresies. All right, that's good. All right. So today, uh, here, I'm going to talk about Inheritance. The third part of my message. And wh- this is what I'm going to do. Mary here is taking, uh, she's keeping time for me today. And this is what I've been doing at Hillside. Uh, when Mary hits 35 minutes, she's going to hold up her card way over her head. And when you see that card go up, everyone's going to clap. Okay, y- y'all want to practice? One, two, three, clap. <laughs> oh. So when you clap, I will, it will force me to close up. Okay, especially, we have a leadership banquet today, so I can't go over time. So you're doing me a favor. Okay, if I look angry, I'm not angry. Right, you, are, you have my blessing to clap and stop me. So let me talk about the third point. All right? Sonship gives the body of Christ their inheritance. Let me talk about what your inheritance is. One of the reasons why the concept of sonship is so important is because it carries with it the idea of inheritance. In, in ancient cultures, and even in cultures today, only the male sons get an inheritance. This is why if you are a daughter and you don't get married in some cultures, you know, you, you are, you are, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because there's no inheritance for you to look forward to. You, um, you need to really get married in order for you to provide for yourself. Especially in cultures where you, women can't get a job. you know. Uh, so in ancient cultures, sons received an inheritance. And the Bible says in Romans 8.17, everybody turn to Romans 8.17. Romans 8:17 Look at Romans 8:17. And if children then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Bible says that we are children of God. Now by the way, it's using the word children here but earlier, rewind a couple of verses, and it's talking about the concept of sonship. So, anyway, um, yeah, sonship—it's very important. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Another translation, NIV, says you have received the spirit of sonship by Him, and you cry out, "Father." Anyway, let me focus on verse 17. You are heirs of God, and another translation says co-heirs with Christ. Say of God. heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs if you are an heir to a very expensive estate, what is your, if, if your daddy owns $20 million worth of property outside the suburbs of London? Now, uh, land in London is very, very expensive. You think it's expensive in Seoul, try going living in London. Uh, London's no joke. I mean, them buildings have been up for a long time, and they built them nice and strong. I mean, we got buildings as old as like 250 years, and they're still up, and they look beautiful. Because back in the day, I don't know, they had a lot more money for some reason. I don't, I don't know. They built buildings. Uh, you see buildings now, even this building, you know? It's all raggedy, and they're using all these cheap materials, and you just kind of barely get the building up. But back in the day, man, they had a lot of money. Anyway, people are, people are, a lot of people in the U.K., they have a lot of money. right? Some people. <clears throat> If your daddy had $20 million of real estate and you come of age, what is your inheritance going to be? If your dad loves you and likes you, (laughs) most likely your dad is going to give you that $20 million estate. Even if you're playing Nintendo and bumming around, you got no job, even if you're sitting on their butt. If your father chooses to give you that inheritance, you got $20 million. That's called an inheritance. You get something you didn't earn. Now, in Asian culture, we don't um, have a strong concept of inheritance. We feel like we need to earn everything we get. You know what I mean? Our parents, our, our current American parents, they have their stories. You know? Do you know what I went through when, you, when we came here to America? Do you know what I sacrificed? Do you know how many hours or a day I had to work? To make sure that you have clothes on your back and food on the table? I mean, I mean they have this concept of like, you got to earn everything you get. And in fact, uh, if you ever try to tip some cabbies here in Korea, they won't take it. Then why are you giving me that money? First, they don't have a concept of tip here. But second, it's a shameful thing in Korean culture to, to take something that you didn't earn. That's why the beggars you see on the streets of Seoul, a lot of times they're having their head down. You ever see a beggar looking up at you in Korea? You'll never see that. You will never see that. In America, you will. <laughs> they like, hey, you got a little more? <laughs> like, Come on. You know, America, you, mean, you got some bold beggars. But in Korea, they won't even look at you. It's a shameful thing to take something that's not that you haven't earned. The concept of grace, the concept of gifts, the concept of inheritance, Um. There's not a big paradigm, not a big grit to embrace that in the current culture. But in kingdom culture, in biblical concepts, grace is huge. Getting something you did not deserve, unmerited favor. That's all very normal in the, in, throughout the, the entire Bible. So the concept of inheritance is tied very closely to sonship. So you have sonship you are talking about inheritance. That's why the Bible says you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, when it says you are heirs of God, does that necessarily mean money? Because when we think of inheritance, we think of real estate, we think of property, we think of money. My answer will be, it could involve money, but not necessarily. Let me get at what does our inheritance as sons of the living God, what does that inheritance consist of? And before I talk about what it consists of, let me talk about how you get that inheritance. I could tell you what the inheritance is, but that don't mean you're going to possess your inheritance. Let me tell you how you get your inheritance. God gives your inheritance. He dispenses it through his people. You I should write that down. That's a powerful concept right there. God doesn't just throw his inheritance down from heaven. Marcus, I want you to go to this open field at 5 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock, I will rain down your inheritance from heaven. You shall look up and see the glory of God coming down upon you. No. God says, Marcus, go up to this short Korean-American guy. And you are to honor him. I know that there are certain inadequacies, weaknesses that you see upon him. Although he is a powerful, amazing speaker, you are to go up to this Korean American man and you are to honor him because your inheritance is going to be dispensed through this man. That's bad news for some of you. Because you go, if that's the case, I don't want my inheritance. I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about even your natural parents can release a, a, a portion of your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance. That's why I, I fasted 40 days down, out in the November, and I flew out to see my dad. My dad, my atheist, anti-Christian dad who hates all of Christianity and thinks the entire Korean church is corrupt, which is not a complete inaccurate statement because there's a lot of corruption. I went up to my dad, and I asked, I asked my dad, Dad, I want you to bless me. And my atheist dad said, "Okay, good. <laughs> How should I do this?" Then he stood up, and my sister was happened to be there at the apartment. And I knelt down, and I had never honored him in this way. I just saw him as this kind of, uh, you know, dad who b- battled with alcoholism, who who was. Um, who would never, who had a strange relationship with his father, and he ended up just treating me the same way. A guy who, in some ways, wasn't a very good father. And I thought all the issues were in terms of forgiving him, me forgiving him. I never thought that he could bless me. I never honored him in that way. But there I go. After 40-day fast, you know, I'm all weak, I'm all humble, I'm all skinny. I got down on my knees. That I've flown out all the way to Philadelphia here so that you can bless me. I want your blessing. I honor and I, val- I honor you as my father. You are my one and only father, and I value your blessing. I want you to give me your blessing. And then he got up, he closed his eyes, and he put his hand on my head. I don't know if he saw my pictures or something. I don't know where he got that from. <laughs> it was almost like he's Pentecostal. He just put his hand on my head, and then he pronounced the blessing over me. And that blessing, it just flowed out to the entire church. It was amazing. It was amazing. I don't know. Not every one of you in here can do that with your natural fathers. That's okay. You're not lacking anything. But for those who have natural fathers, God may call you to do those things, those prophetic acts. Because in Malachi chapter 4, it says, he will turn the hearts of sons, to, fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Before Jesus comes and sends his revival, a lot of times he will turn the hearts of daughters to mothers, mothers to daughters, fathers to sons, where they've been estranged, where they've been separate, where they've been having beef for all these years. Before time of revival or as the revival comes, a lot of times there's honor and reconciliation being released. I'm going to talk about what your inheritance consists of, but let me tell you how you get your inheritance. You get your inheritance. Let me just give you one word. It's all you have to think about is honor. You want your inheritance from God or you got to honor the men of God that God places in your life. You got to honor the father figures that he places in your life. When you honor them, your inheritance gets released. When you despise them, criticize them, you go broke. You just start with whatever you got and you just build on and earn whatever you can. But for those who honor, they start from way up here. They get things that it took 25, 30 years for another man of God to build up. They get it in an instant through honor. Let me talk about um, a biblical example of this. If you go to uh, First Kings, First Kings second kings second kings second kings chapter 2 look at this it's the story of elijah and elisha in the hebrew it's Elia and elisha but i find it helpful to say elijah and elisha so that there is no confusion okay cuz if you say elijah elisha it sounds very similar elia elisha it sounds very similar anyway That's why I say Elijah and Elisha. Anyway, y'all don't know Hebrew. You don't care. Just listen. 2 Kings chapter 2. Look at this. Verse 9. When they had crossed this river, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Now, pause. Elisha is being mentored by Elijah. Also, Elisha is pouring water over Elijah's hands, a symbol of service. Elisha is Elijah's spiritual son. And he's he's been established in that sonship through serving him. And right now there's rumor going around that Elijah's time has come to an end and God's going to take Elijah. And so Elisha is nervous. He's anxious. Here here is a spiritual mentor. Here is the spiritual father, the guy who's taught him everything he knows on what it means to be a prophet, what it means to be a spiritual leader to Israel. And he's about to be taken from it. So he's very nervous. So that's where we are. Look at verse, um, keep reading. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they were, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah. I guess you can't take your clothes with you when you go up in the whirlwind. (laughs) He took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Okay, and I'll stop there. What's interesting here is Elijah gets taken up to heaven and Elisha shouts out. What does he say? First thing he said. My father... My father. What does that tell you? He was using a very affectionate term for his spiritual mentor. This is a prefiguring of this is like a a preface of spiritual fathering and sonship that will be revealed after Jesus comes. So they're experiencing an aspect of that. And so to Elisha, Elijah was such a wonderful. I don't know if he was wonderful, but he was he was like his spiritual father. That when he's being taken up, he says, my father, my father. Now, here's the cool part. Elisha okay? knows Elijah's probably weaknesses and faults, but still honors Elijah. What happens? Right? He's like, well, if you're going to be taken up, I want a double portion of what you got. In other words, I want what I have not earned. I want that which you are carrying. I want to carry it. And not only do I want to carry it, I want a double portion of it. What a bold thing to do. So Elijah's like, man, you, you a bold little boy. <laughs> I don't know. That's a hard thing. But if you see me as I'm taking up, it'll be done for you. If not, pff, no, no deal, right? What happens? He sees Elijah being taken up. And so this mantle falls. There's probably this physical cloak or something, right? And he takes it and he strikes the river. And the river splits. In fact, if you read the rest of 2 uh, Kings, Elijah goes on to do double. Let me say it, double. Double of, I didn't actually, uh, I said let me say it. But anyway, you can say it too. Uh, double of all the miracles that Elijah did in his lifetime. There is a, that is an Old Testament picture of spiritual fatherhood, sonship, and inheritance. Elisha did double. He didn't work even nearly as hard, probably, as Elijah. Didn't go through nearly as much suffering as Elijah, but he was able to do double. That's pretty amazing. You know, some people say, well, he only raised one person from the dead. Elijah what, raised one person the dead. Elisha only raised one person dead. Right? Most people don't know the other story. After Elisha died, uh, these raiders, these robbers, they took th- this guy's dead body. And they hit him in a cave. It happened to be the cave where Elisha's bones were in. And when that dead body touched Elisha's bones, the dead body came to life. Come on now. So he raised two dead people, all right? (laughs) Double everything Elisha did. How do you get your inheritance? You get your inheritance by honoring your spiritual father, by honoring the leaders that got places in your life, you get your inheritance through the church, through the people of God. That means you got to learn how to look past all the warts and the pimples and all the things that you might want to criticize about that person and learn to honor them for what they're carrying. Now, let me talk about what your inheritance consists of. What does your inheritance consist of? Galatians 3.29 says, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring's, and heirs according to promise. Number one, your inheritance consists of the Abrahamic blessing. The Abrahamic blessing given to Abraham in Genesis, you will be blessed. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. (laughs) Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. All the nations, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That promise is not a Jewish promise. It's not just given to Jews. Although the Jews, man, they are blessed. They continue to be blessed till today. If you look at unemployment figures among Jews, you will be astonished. It looks like it's not even touching them. You look at unemployment of Spain and Greece. Man, the whole country is out of work. At 25%. Either there are really lazy people in Greece or... Or they're having some hard times over there, <laughs> but yeah, some of the Arab um, countries I heard is much higher, actually. Anyway, um, your in- inheritance consists of the Abrahamic blessing. That's why it says in Galatians 3:29, "If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, Abraham's offspring." And you s- seed there is uh, the Greek word spermaticos, spermaticos, where we get the word sperm, right? <laughs> And so it says, you are Abraham's seed. (laughs) It's the concept. It's the concept. It's seed and offspring, things like that. And we are heirs according to promise. The promise given to Abraham that you'll be a blessing to all nations, that is your promise. You need to claim that. You need to hold to that because that's part of your inheritance. Number two. The second part of your inheritance consists of the outpouring and anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preaches this message. And he tries to explain to all the people the supernatural phenomena that these uh, uh, 120 disciples are experiencing. They're laughing. They're speaking in tongues. They look like they're drunk. You know, and it's all this, and it's like early morning or something like that. And so Peter gets up and starts to explain to these Jews. who are gathered from all over the region. What is taking place here was prophesied by Joel. In Joel chapter 2, the word of the Lord says, In those days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. He quotes that entire passage. Then he goes on, and uh, uh, he he, he quotes some, some other passages. Anyway, and then he stops and says, What you are seeing here is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit, meaning that what the anointing that Jesus carried, you know, and early on in Jesus' ministry, he went into the temple, he opened up the score of Isaiah, he read Isaiah 61, and then he says, today, this is fulfilled in your midst. And then in one gospel account, it says that they wanted to kill him. They were like, this is blasphemy, how dare you? You know, but Jesus said, this is fulfilled. What what, what does that mean? That means when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and he came up, the Holy Spirit came upon him, right? When the Holy Spirit came upon him, that's when Isaiah 61 began to be fulfilled. But its fulfillment was not completed when Jesus died three years later at the cross. It's comp- Oh, okay, hallelujah. All right that's good it's good you did what i asked you that's good you're bold as a lion mary bold as a lion all right well let me just let me close the thought right uh so that anointing uh jesus gets that anointing at the jordan river says it's fulfilled when he goes into the temple and then what does he do he starts doing miracles casting out demons to show forth that indeed Isaiah 61, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon him. And he's going out to proclaim freedom for captives and binding up the brokenhearted. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples get an outpouring of the Spirit. They get the same anointing Jesus got. And they start doing the same miracles Jesus did. In fact, Jesus talked about it. He says, the things that you see me do, you also will do. Greater things than these you will do. Because I'm going to the Father. What does that sound like? It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, "Things you've seen me do, y'all can do it. You will do it. Because you will get the same anointing that I got. You will get it. But not only that, you're going to do greater things than these. What does that sound like? That sounds like Elijah and Elisha." What's Elisha asking for? Elisha's like, let me do the same things you're doing. Give me your man, Give me your spirit so I can do the same things. No, he said, let me do double. Jesus is, I believe it's a prophetic connection to what we see in the Old Testament. He's saying, you're going to be just like Elisha because you are my sons. The spirit of sonship is upon you. And you know, Jesus essentially was a spiritual father to his disciples. Even though his identity was as the son of God, his function was as a spiritual father. In fact, in Isaiah, it says they will call him everlasting father. Jesus did the work of a Jewish rabbi, and a Jewish rabbi was essentially a spiritual father. But here's the thing. We still need spiritual fathers today. Because spiritual fathers release the inheritance. So a lot of times... The outpouring of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit will come powerfully upon upon our services. And when it comes, when the Holy Spirit comes in that way and anoints people, it's a powerful thing that's taking place. You're receiving your inheritance. That's not something for special Christians who are really, really hungry and charismatic. This is your standard inheritance for every Christian. You know what Christian means? Christ means Christos, which in the Greek means, I'm sorry, Christos, which in the Greek means anointed one. And Christians are followers of Christ, followers of the anointed one. Well, if you're you're a true follower of Christ, you will believe his words. Things you've seen me do, you also will do. And you will also believe his words. Wait here in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of my father, which you've heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, and in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one. You will believe if you are truly, you truly believe you're a follower of Christ. Not only do you are you a follower of the Anointed One, you are Anointed Ones. And I gotta close up right. So I mean, let me try to close up very quickly. The last part is probably the most um, rich part. Third part of I'm not gonna go into it. All right, I'll preach another message. How's that? Okay. Uh, the last aspect third aspect of your inheritance i don't know if this is the only way to talk about inheritance but these are the three primary ways that i see okay third aspect is the words the words of the father the words of the father you know we have the words of god the father here in scripture and you can get the words of the father today by just reading this but this thing is not so simple It's simple, but it's also not simple. In the sense that if you just do a shadow reading of it, you're not going to get to all the deep treasures that are hidden inside. Revelations, secrets of the kingdom that can only be really discerned by the Spirit of God. So when you get stuck, that's when you need a spiritual father to help you to interpret the scriptures and bring out the treasures that are hidden deep inside. Your inheritance consists of the words of your father. The words of God the Father that comes and manifests through your spiritual father. And this this is going to be a lot of things. It could be words of wisdom. It could be words of doctrine. Right? I mean, if you don't have a good spiritual father, you might get doctrinally lost. You might end up in a cult. You might end up putting black Nike sneakers on and thinking that some comet's going to come and pick you up. Talking about the... uh, Heaven's gate cold. Um, When you have a good spiritual father and the the God, the father's words are being manifested through them, doctrines being manifested through them, you know you're safe. Also, it could uh, involve words of uh, teaching. Anyway, words of knowledge, wisdom, teaching, it all produces really a way of life. So not only do you inherit words, you're really inheriting a way of life. Now, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm still growing. God's not done with me yet. But what I'm trying to impart to you as sons of the house, and if you're a visitor, I hope that your pastor at whatever church you're going to is doing this for you as well. I'm trying to impart to you a way of life, a life of prayer, a life of wisdom and not foolishness. You know how many young people get into foolish romantic relationships that got nothing to do with nothing? And really, the only reason you're dating that non-believer is because you have a fear that you're never going to get married again. If you, don't, if you lose this fellow, you might not, never get married. So at least this guy gave you a nod. I got to stick with him. You know, I'm trying to impart a way of life. And when you receive the words, the teachings, the doctrine, the words of wisdom, counsel, whatever you get from your spiritual father directly or, by the way, there's direct... And there's delegated. So Diana Suck, Pastor Diana Suck is going to be able to say essentially the same thing I would say if you were talking to me. Why? Because I've trained her and she has my heart. She actually has my spirit in one sense. Not like she has, oh, Pastor Christian has a Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is on Diana. That's blasphemous. Of course I'm not saying that. (laughs) But I'm just saying the word spirit in terms of the essential teachings and the um, words that I would essentially say. My heart. She has my heart. And we have God's heart. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. If you have the words of Jesus, he said, anyone abides my commands and I, I, I and him, you know. Anyway, anyway and we have his words. We have his heart. We have his spirit. And as a spiritual father of the house, I've delegated Pastor Diana to shepherd people in this house. So if you talk to her, you're going to get what I would essentially say. And if you get stuck, then you, you can come talk to me. You know what I mean? And so even if you don't directly talk to me all the time, it's all flowing from the, from the top down. All right, so that's it. I, mean, I, I, went, I went over time by like five more minutes or something like that. No, seven more minutes. I went seven more minutes over, right? Are you stressed? Don't be stressed. <laughs> okay, I just want to close that up. All right, this is your inheritance. God bless y'all. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but as sons. You have not left us clueless, but you've given us your words of knowledge, wisdom, counsel. Not only that, you've given us your very spirit that we may discern that these things are truly from you. We thank you, Father, that you are with us here today. And I pray that, Lord, each and every person in here will tap into the richness of of the revelation of of sonship. that They won't go from place to place. They won't go from doctrine to doctrine. But they will be established and rooted firmly in sound doctrine, in the love of Christ, filled with the Spirit of God. May these sons go forth, possessing and stewarding their inheritance and bringing great glory to your name. Father, we pray to ask it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right.